You're listening to Music Tectonics. Welcome back to Music Tectonics, where we go beneath the surface of music and tech. I'm your host, Dimitri Vitsa. I'm also the founder and CEO of Rock, Paper, Scissors, a PR firm that focuses on music tech. And you know, uh, we started the Music Tectonics conference back in 2019 in October, and we were going to do it again this year in LA as well, but we ended up moving it online. But um, when we were leading up to the first conference, I was doing a lot of uh, meetups in Los Angeles, and I did one. You may have heard the episode where I recorded a podcast live where I went through the seismic shift trading cards, uh, talking about all the seismic shifts in the music industry, and recorded some interaction with some folks at a meetup where I presented that. And I, during that conversation, came up and actually pitched this idea because I started talking about monetizing fandom. And I pitched the idea that someone should make an independent marketplace for emotes and other digital merch or whatever that you could use across platforms. Obviously, you can see those things being used in places like Twitch and YouTube and and all that kind of stuff. But I thought, wouldn't it be really cool if there was a marketplace um, where you could plop your money down and then use that stuff anywhere? Well, there's a guy in the audience there named Duran Davis Jr., from a company called Lav Labs. I hadn't met him. He just showed up at the meetup and he we got him on mic. You can actually hear him on one of the podcast episodes. And he was building out an interesting platform that was really focused on uh, monetizing fandom and getting more interaction from fans in the music streaming experience. So we put together a panel that you may have been to the, at the shock before the quake. Duran was there. We had Danny Deal, the, the DJ and, and music tech writer and and public speaker. And we had Grant Dexter from Finapoli. But I thought we really needed somebody, a representative from somebody that was already monetizing fandom. And the one company that I could think of that I thought would be perfect for this because they're really doing it, they have traction, is Cameo. And we brought on Matt Devine, who's the head of music partnerships from Cameo. And then the worst thing that could happen for an online event, we had tech problems, but only for Matt. Everyone else, we could hear. And... uh, I still want to hear about Cameo. So I have got with me today, Matt Devine from Cameo in LA. Matt, how are you doing? Great, man. Yeah, thanks. I'm having a little uh, like PTSD from that story. Oh. <laughs> Joking, but no, man, I'm I honestly just kicking back, enjoying the sound of your voice. Pretty. <laughs> thanks. Like, thanks, Matt. Very smooth. <laughs> thanks, man. Well, um, it's really kind of a cool full circle story because literally when I go out into the world, LA, New York, Chicago, wherever, and do meetups around music tech, you know, you never know what kind of ideas you're going to come across. And it was literally like, as I was talking through this stuff that this conversation came up and I, and it, it took me a minute to realize that you guys were already there doing this stuff, but let's just start fr- straight from the start. Um, how do you describe Cameo to someone who's never heard of it? Uh, yeah, I mean, it is... Essentially, it's a it's a platform. It's an app where fans can go to pay for um, short, little personalized uh, video messages from their heroes, from celebrities. So, it's um, we've got over forty two thousand celebrities across all different verticals right now. That's and, crazy. Yeah, and music is is my lane, but of course, it extends to. Everything from you know athletes, YouTubers, um, movie stars, anyone with a big enough following, really. And yeah, the talent set their own price, uh, anywhere from free uh, all the way up to around. I think our highest price right now is for Caitlyn Jenner, who's twenty five hundred bucks. But um, the sort of mean prices around right now, I think it's hovering around like fifty, seventy five bucks. So um, for that 
the talent is agreeing to um, at their convenience and they have four days to do it, but essentially they're going to make a quick little low-fi, um, low-production value, chill, authentic, personalized little video uh, greeting personalized to you. So 85% of them are bought as gifts. So the sort of uh, like archetypal cameo request would be, hey, um, Kenny G, you know, my wife and I danced to your song at our wedding 10 years ago. It's our anniversary next week. Would you please tell Crystal that her husband loves her? You know, so um, people who <laughs> aren't necessarily familiar with cameo per se are probably uh probably like casually familiar with it and that they've probably seen it before maybe they've gotten they've seen friends uh who've gotten them as gifts you know it's it's uh yeah we just had we just completed our millionth and a half would you say like one million five hundred thousandth cameo um and yeah generally i mean the the sort of beauty of the whole thing is just what it means to the fans when they get them as you can imagine so i think right. i think someone like you someone like me my background in music and our network we we may happen to be probably a phone call or two away from getting access to a lot of these talent if we needed to um but for i'd say 99 of the rest of the world it's getting access is is really tough they're kind of relegated to hassling them on dms which are never seen or <laughs> emailing some general manager's inbox that's kind of ignored routinely so this is this sort of it, it just means a lot to these fans when they get them and that also makes my job a lot more fun because i'm you know i mean not to sound like a wuss but i cry quite a bit when i see these we have <laughs> like reaction videos now you know some some huge fan of michael franti gets you know he'll say something just really personal and endearing to one of his biggest fans. And I get to see them scream and run around the house and cry. <laughs> and generally the fans, you know, they'll watch these things hundreds of times. They'll share them on their own personal socials. And, you know, we say the each one of these is a billboard for the next one. So if, if you deliver one to your, if you're a talent who right. delivers one, goes a little bit above and beyond for the fan, like it gets out there and there's no, better content out there in the world than you being magnanimous and thoughtful and, you know, showing how much you love your fans. So, yeah. So, and for the talent, it's, it's, you know, the average length of these things is only 30 seconds. So you, know, you can imagine um, how Snoop Dogg, Snoop Dogg earned $2 million in his first year is really, I think totals out to on average, only maybe five minutes a day of his time. So for the talent, Wait, he made $2 million from Cameo. Yeah. Holy cow! <laughs> and that's and it's pretty it's pretty astounding because you know it's the requests come in they know that it's a, a fan obviously a huge fan they know it's going to mean a lot to them they know if they set their price accordingly that it's money that really adds up quickly and you know they we're seeing them just kind of bake it into their their lifestyle now so in his case he'll you know I hope I'm not telling any tales out of school but he'll like go light up a joint and go kick it in his backyard after dinner and knock out you know 10 messages in five minutes and that's how he pays to hit that number so it's it's really convenient fun cool for the talent and yeah especially post-covid it's it's probably the best way kind of closest thing they have now that now that no one's touring to really touching the hearts of your fans in a way that's just so so special and authentic to them 
Yeah. It's cool. You guys have like unitized, uh, modularized this experience that normally would just be super rare because it would be such an awkward conversation. First of all, does anyone have bandwidth to have a conversation? Can you shoot a quick video for my fiance or my friend or whatever? Um, what, how much do I charge for that? Wait, is that a thing? Do you even charge for that thing? Are they asking for a favor? What's going on here? And it's now it's just very direct. It's, you know, you know exactly what it is. You know what you're getting, you know what you're paying. And there's, there's a, there's a CRM that manages it all. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, it kind of, I always thought of it at, I mean, the reason why it just clicked with me, I read about it in a New York times article two and a half years ago when there were only, you know, maybe 10 people at the company and maybe a thousand talent. It was really in the nascent days, but I, I relate so much to both sides of that equation because yeah. you know, as, a, as an artist myself, you know, I, I toured for 10 years. I have a sort of dwindling, but existing cult fan base from my, you know, from <laughs> my band and, you know, everything that we achieved was through being accessible and, and knowing how much that, relationship with those fans matters and how you can't take it for granted and how little it takes and um you know you can kind of get into a little hairy space as you described where you're like okay is it okay to charge you now what am i going to give you my personal email address my venmo like it's it <laughs> awkward and and so but also from the fan side that's you know look if you're if you are an artist and you you have 15 minutes a day say of course you'd like to spend that with your biggest fans and the fans that deserve it the most you know um but if you are one of those fans how do you stand out how do you raise your hand higher and get that attention that you deserve and honestly it's it's awkward for a fan to okay wait i'll wait until you may happen to be on tour near my city and then i'll pay 400 dollars to get a quick picture with you, but I'm shaking and I'm, and I didn't, I don't mm-hmm. really connect with you. You know, it's kind of an assembly line and, uh, um, and you know, otherwise, yeah. What are they doing? They're calling favors wherever they can, or they're just blowing mm-hmm. up your DMS. And it's funny because artists used to say pushback that we got in the early days for cameo was artists saying, look, I can just respond to my fans. DM. We're like, yeah, but you don't. You know, you just don't, <laughs> nobody does. It's, it's impossible. So, you know, if, by adding that, that transaction, that fee, honestly, that's a service to everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, so how did Cameo get started, Matt? It started um, about four and a half years ago out of Chicago. So the founders, three founders, um, all went to Duke together. Um, a couple of them, uh, worked at LinkedIn. They were in tech. One of them was actually a, um, he was an athlete, an agent for athletes. And he was, um, interestingly, the, the, the first ever cameo was, was, which was the, I think the big light bulb moment for those guys was, um, a, I think it was like a second string kicker from the Seattle Seahawks. And as a, as a gift for an exec at Nike, one of the founders got him to, to make a quick video in his car while he's driving. And he's like, um, and we call this the first cameo ever, but it's, it's basically him just saying like, Hey, what's up, Tom? Um, congratulations. I heard, you know, you just had a son, James, um, you know, this is cash from the Seattle Seahawks. I heard you're a huge fan. You know, if your if your son is half as athletic as his old man, you know, he'll be on the Seahawks one day himself, you know, just Mm -hmm. 10 seconds. 
shot it out and that uh the, the recipient of that cameo <laughs> of that video said just he he blew up uh the founders and said look this is the best it's like money is no object for me <laughs> and this video this 10 second free video was is is maybe the best gift i've ever gotten in my entire life it means so much to me i can't even tell you so that was that was the big light bulb so for for talent obviously it's not that big a lift um, but the, but the payoff is emotionally is is massive. Yeah, cool. Uh, what are the most popular types of celebrities on Cameo? Um, oh, it's interesting. It's it's kind of evolved over time, you know. And and this is a credit to the founders before I was even part of the team. But unlike, I think what I would have chosen to do is is probably begin with my dream scenario that is only the coolest of the cool artists you know or they maybe they're the first talent but um they went to where the fans were and where the talent were the most receptive and enthusiastic for it so in the early days when i came on music for example was super underrepresented i think it was just like hmm. tommy lee and sean kingston were kind of on it like under duress you know <laughs> and, but really it was but reality show uh reality stars were taking off um drag queens were taking off, uh, YouTubers were taking off. So that, I, th I think there were certain verticals in the early days that really, you know, were the tip of the spear. But these days it's, it, f it feels, you know, it's, it's a lot more, it's a lot more balanced. So within music, I, c I can say, you know, to zoom in a little further, certain yeah. genres within music um, have taken off at, at different paces, which is really amazing to see. So hip-hop for example was um you know got a big lift when snoop joined and ice you know ice t and ice cube and some of the big like godfathers of that of that lane and then we started seeing some of the you know cooler edgier indie guys and then you know cut to today and hip-hop is just um has like a serious presence so it's 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 fun to just look at the roster and each week it's like oh Tyler Yahweh just came on 24 Golden just came on you know Dex and Ali Chapa Fetty Wap uh, Lupe Fiasco and you know Wu-Tang Clan and everything in between so um, we saw something similar with country um, rock you know uh, sort of like heritage artists crush on cameo um, Michael Bolton just went <laughs> live today mm -hmm. he's, he's expected to do really well especially based on what Kenny G's been doing the last few weeks um edm is kind of slow to pick up so i'm just kind of keeping an eye on that i'd love to see more djs um you know motown artists do well it's crazy um smoky robinson is <laughs> is killing it um kids artists comedy um indie cred punk uh emo actually my my old world was um with ronnie radke as one of the first talent ever on cameo it was a big head start in emo and that was I hope your listeners know what emo is, but, um, yeah. <laughs> but that was, I think so. That was kind of like, that wasn't surprising to me. Cause I know that's, that's the sort of culture and lifestyle that I know best. And I just know those mm -hmm. fans are the most rabid. And those are the ones that get the tattoos and buy every shirt and every album. So, um, it was a natural fit for me to see like emo and punk take off. But then, yeah, like hipsters, you know, Lily Allen, uh, flaming lips, like, Bad Sons, Imogen Heap, you know, wow. Kathleen Hanna, some of these people that I always expected to be, or I, I, maybe they are, but it's 
knowing their brands, they're the kind of last usually to adopt something that's, that's popular and, um, you know, trendy. And so I, I see that as just such a strong indicator when those tastemakers are not just coming on, but like really owning it. I want to get it more into your role and your background. You mentioned a couple things, and I think it'd be cool for people to hear that. But before we do that, you mentioned Snoop Dogg doing really well. What other types of musicians are, like, are driving a significant amount of income from Cameo? Any other um, big numbers or, or just surprises or, or folks who wouldn't have expected Cameo to become their primary revenue stream, but now it is? Oh, yeah. I mean, specific to music or, or across the board? Yeah, music. Let's talk music. Yeah, um, you know, it's it's interesting because like Ice Tea, Flavor Flav, Riff Raff, like there those are if if I were to sort of design the, or sort of like reverse engineer the archetype of the highest performing artists on Cameo, it's it's generally artists who are who have such a strong identifiable persona. You know, where there's, mm -hmm. if you want riffraff, you know, like, like him or not, if, if, you know, if, if riffraff is to your taste or not to your taste, you can definitely appreciate that there is only one riffraff. And if you're, a fan, you know, for better or worse, <laughs> but if, honestly, like, you know, I, I've, I've grown to appreciate what goes into building a personal brand. So it's like, any that that's where it's basically teeth work and tattoos right <laughs> you know what it is it's it's like owning your lane not apologizing for it like tripling down for it you know tripling down on it and being really consistent you know so i think i think some of my favorite bands that are obscure one of the reasons they maybe are obscure is because they've reinvented themselves never you know maybe too much you know, so, mm. so I, yeah, I, I, I hail peeps like Riff Raff who are just, who also not just, they don't just like lean in into their own brand, but they, and their fan base, but they, they don't really take on new projects unless they're really able to have a sense of ownership of it too. So um, they're, they're also usually like the highest earners on Cameo and music are the artists who aren't like second guessing it. They're the ones who are like, this is rad. I love making my fans scream and cry. <laughs> I love making serious money. I, I love doing it from the safety in, of my backyard. Um, I'm going to rep this. And the more they lean in, the more the fans respond, the more we respond and support them, right? Like, so then we'll step up our efforts to help promo, help get press. Like, um, good example would be like Mark McGrath, you know, like he was from sugar ray it was like a little um you know weary at first or a little you know let me let me take this slow see see what's up and as is typically the case like he he didn't kind of underappreciated how um just fun and easy and chill it is so the minute he did and he started making a lot of money the more we started you know blasting about him on our socials you know putting him in our in our mailing list i'm featuring him wherever we can and like digital campaigns and stuff like that. And then, you know, next thing you know, he's kind of front and center positioned really well on the marketplace. And then, then he actually has, you know, the kind of stage is set for him to have a viral moment, which he did. <laughs> and he, um, you know, having nothing to do with us, but he ended up, I don't know if you saw this, your listeners saw it 
but uh, a lot of a lot of for for fans out there, their first introduction to cameo is one of these viral moments, and his came when he. Um, helped a girl break <laughs> break up with her boyfriend <laughs> on cameo. So she the request was super, you know, super simple. And he's always pleasing his fans, and he didn't think twice. And he made this really sort of heartfelt cameo for her, like or for her boyfriend. <laughs> you know, like, hey, look, it's um, you know, there's no easy way for me to say this, but I think you know this relationship has run its course. <laughs> 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 and you know, he, he goes to bed. Um, wakes up and he's covered by 800 media outlets around the world. He's the number one trending topic in the world. So, you know, it was really magical. And then we, of course, could could then follow up with that and, you know, give it more oxygen. Then we kind of activate our, our PR engine and our, our marketing teams and build off it. But yeah. So Matt, you're you're head of music partnerships. We mentioned that at the top, but th- is it is that what you end up doing? Are you kind of reacting to uh, what's organically happening and then amplifying it, or do you also have a role in recruiting uh, artists and, and celebrities into the mix? Yeah. What, what is your role? Yeah, all of the above. I mean, it was it's you know in the, in the early days when there were just maybe a dozen of us, I basically. Um, you know, volunteered to take everything under within the music vertical on. And so a lot of that was sitting down with managers, sitting down with labels, um, marketing teams, publicists, helping to educate them um, and pitch Cameo Ton and, and a lot of obviously to a lot of artists. And yeah, so I mean, everybody at the company, so there's 165 of us right now, you know, regardless of your roles, certainly there's always that like cog spinning on town acquisition because that is you know that's obviously our, our true north we want more you know always more talent to join so we can have a you know get them off to a great start make sure they have a great experience and make their fans happy and then make them happy and um i'm always thinking about talent that i would i would love to see and and always there to help facilitate or just help support any artists who want to come on or more often than not that that includes now especially for bigger name talent um helping tailor their rollout around what they have going on so maybe it's not just um coming on cameo casually maybe it's more all right let's build a you know let's ramp up a countdown to it let's let's tie it into your album release you know that's what we did with jordan sparks and avenue beat for example where they branded their entire uh you know, roll out on Cameo and their launch on Cameo around uh, their release. And we were able to drive streams for them and, you know, one hand wash the other. And it was like really cool synergy. And I was personally super proud of that. So, yeah, so I'm, I'd say probably half my time is spent in conversations that involve talent acquisition of one form or another. And the rest of my time is spent in more in bigger partnership conversations with some of which are crazy ambitious and abstract and some of them are you know smaller it could be a a small like charity partnership that i'm working on which you know at any time i may have like 10 of those in 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 various states and and then of course my big like pie in the sky partnerships with like the biggest other you know tech companies and music companies in the world 
Hmm. Yeah, cool. So let's get into your background a little bit. You mentioned your emo roots. <laughs> uh, what? T- tell our audience who doesn't know what your background is, because you obviously um, have been in the music space before Cameo. Yeah, so I I started a band in Chicago called Kill Hannah um, without knowing. I mean, emo was not a word as far as I know back then. <laughs> but it was like, you know, my, my heroes were Smashing Pumpkins, The Cure, The Smiths, ton of English bands. And, and yeah, you know, we started in Chicago, which was a rough, rough place to start a band that wanted to do something like that. And we paid our dues every day and we, we were unsigned for, um, God, I mean, probably... I did the math the other day and it was literally, it was 10 years from the day I like determined that this was my, you know, my life and my, my dream to the day, you know, to the year that we signed with Atlantic records in 2003. So, um, yeah, we were, you know, wore black and eyeliner and flat iron her hair and had a pretty distinct image and built up a huge following in Chicago, which is awesome. Um, and along the way, you know, I then signed with Atlantic in 2003. And from there, um, I put on another record with, uh, with Motown, a record with Roadrunner, um, and basically toured, toured the world and put out records for the next 10 years. And um, yeah, kind of along the way, I, I believe without sounding too, like, I don't know, not bragging at all, but I believe we pioneered a lot of these um, kind of conventions now when in terms of like street teams and digital street mm. teams and how important that is to to really you know keep that alive and to to nourish that that fan base directly you know without necessarily relying mm-hmm. on labels and being keeping that independent spirit and um yeah that was that was just it i mean i was either on the road or in the studio and then um and then following that i actually went to new york i was in a in the Spider-Man Broadway show for a year. That's the show with oh. uh, Bono and the Edge wrote the music for. <laughs> it was like yeah. kind of the pariahs of Broadway for a year, and got <laughs> to, um, but got to live in. That was actually an awesome experience for me. Got to live in New York City for another few years, and then um, I got into music management, and um, that led me. Yeah, then that led me here, and yeah, yeah it's, it's a cool journey. It's it's something that I. I you know, it took a minute to figure out, but it's literally, I feel like Cameo right now is my second band. You know, I think, I think for any artist, not just musicians, but any artist in general, where their identity is so tied to the, to their art that when it comes time to pivot from that, it's, it's very fucking painful and it's, and it's very disorienting and it, and it takes a minute. And I think from there, there's this belief that, all right, I'll do something else because I have to, but it's a huge compromise to my heart and my soul. And this feels wrong, you know? And, and for me, lucky enough, like after figuring that out and kind of wrestling with that existentially, um, I got to a place just in time for this gig where literally this, my head and heart are, are kind of in the exact same place right now getting cameo out there in the world as it was back in the day getting the band known because i'm it's still the same hustle it's still the same fight like it's still i feel like it's something that makes the world a better place and maybe more so than my band ever made the world a better place but that was my it was always my higher purpose it wasn't it didn't always feel super selfish it, just, it felt like i wanted to do something 
significant and yeah. relevant and cool and, and apply the strengths that I acquired from all those years slugging it out as an artist. So that's, you know, that's where I am right now. And that's why it's like particularly fun and cool for me to, you know, talk to people like you about it because trust me two years ago when I started at Cameo, it was a very different story. <laughs> it was like yeah. people thought we were crazy. Um, it was very hard to take, you know, to get meetings. Um, we'd sit in conference rooms at the big agencies or management companies and they would just run down the reasons why we're, why it'll never work, why their artists would never consider something like this. And um, so, yeah, it's a, it's different dynamic now and, and a very different thing. I think the world itself culturally kind of arrived at a place that makes them right. more receptive to companies like ours, which is really cool. Well, you're like, you're like fitting in in a different way, you know, like there's this traditional music industry and there's these kind of traditional paths of fan interaction and fan and monetization and all this stuff. And you're like, and then there's this kind of organic, the social media stuff that just sort of kind of existed without a real path to, to revenue. And you kind of like cameo sort of weaves between those worlds and creates a new kind of a new, a, a new way of interacting, a new transaction. Yeah. And I, th I think any new transaction is met with skepticism and met with like resistance because transit, even just the word is kind of nasty, you know, it has, it's right. like stigmatized. And I, I remember what, how I relate to this or how it feels just so familiar to me is that there were, there were days on the road when, I remember charging fans for a meet and greet was crazy. I remember we were on, yeah. we were on the road with 30 Seconds to Mars and, and they were, the, it was the first time ever that I saw them charge fans who already paid for tickets to show, like already bought right. merch. Now, if you want a picture with them, you got to pay another 10 bucks or whatever it was. And I was like, this is ludicrous. Like this is four alarm fire insane, <laughs> right? And then cut to a year later and it's just, business as usual it's just it's standard practice quo. Yeah, yeah yeah so so and this i've seen evolve like the sort of acceptance of this and the adoption of it along a similar trajectory where it's like yeah never never and then okay maybe and then oh yeah that's just the way it is of course yeah you know it's it is cool to hear your background story of slogging it out and kind of thinking about you know street teams and engagement and all these things in in sort of like the 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 traditional record label era and then being in this role and watching it come to this place and and being a part of that too. I'm curious how you see this type of custom video um for a fan fitting into the larger story of music careers i mean you know, some artists, it may, it's, it, you know, it's, it's a line item that they send in with their taxes. Now, you know, it's more than just a, a uh, it's more than just uh, putting your hat out on the street while you're busking or something like that. It's like real money. Um, and I'm curious how you see this fitting in with other aspects of monetizing fandom um, and, and yeah. where this is all going. Well, interestingly, and it's, it's awesome to say this with complete sincerity, but there's never been pushback from fans you know there's i think especially when there are certain there, there are certain artists whose entire uh, success is in them saying no to stuff you know mm -hmm. and and a lot of that is is i think residual from an, an era where like you know we all i don't know if the kids even say it these days but selling out was like suicide back when i was a kid and 
is the last thing in the world you'd want your your favorite artist to do but it's just been a sort of steady evolution across the board where fans are savvy enough to recognize that it is a business and there's really nothing more like prostitute <laughs> about <laughs> selling you know your time is valuable and if whether your time is spent on the stage and you're paying it to you know or in the hoodie that you know you spent 10 years building your brand to the point where a hoodie is worth more with your logo on it mm-hmm. that you know and and i think this is just a, a an extension of all that where um it's it's counterintuitive but the fans you know the fans that i've seen love to support their artists like they just want to know how to support them more so i don't think i don't think they necessarily want to look under the hood and say like all right where does this fit within my entire like cash flow as a human <laughs> human being and look mm-hmm. at like just how bleak you know it could be or or just how disadvantaged artists have been historically in the music business like i can show you a I can show you a statement from Atlantic Records right now that shows that I personally still owe them $975,000. Mm. You know, so You I, better get on Cameo, Matt. <laughs> yeah, I'm 20 I'm You got to get that 2 million going. <laughs> I'm 25 bucks if any of your listeners are, are interested. <laughs> but but yeah, so so fans how it how it fits is is very it's it's a perfect complement to everything else. You know, if if a fan right now goes to their Shopify or they go, you know, they go there wherever their e-commerce lives. It's, it's like that. Um, but interestingly too, you know, 85% of cameos are bought as gifts. So it's not even necessarily the, it's, it's more often than not, it's not the super fan who's taking out their wallet. It's, it's like the husband of the super fan who's looking for that perfect gift. And this is that one thing that, that, you know, that his girlfriend doesn't have yet from this artist. So it is holiday season now. This this episode's coming out during holiday season. So, <laughs> yeah, that's our, it's our biggest time of year. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Guess that makes sense. Um, what other trends are you keeping an eye on in the in the music tech world? Uh, in the in the direct to fan world? What what what? I mean, you've been in this for a while. Are, are you? Uh, I mean, we can talk about cameo, but I'm just curious. You know, to broadening it out, what else is interesting to you? I mean, I I'm still trying to. I'm baffled that there is not a like one-stop solution right now for uh, for like fan clubs for for oh, artists yeah. and uh, nor for like virtual ticketed events. Like I'm mm-hmm. I'm talking to you know we're doing some of it. I know that a lot of other great companies, um, some of whom like you know you had obviously at Tectonics. Mm-hmm. that I enjoyed meeting and talking to and but across the board I'm just I'm surprised that and very interested in why it's so fractured you know everyone yeah. the managers and artists alike are, are a little bit they don't know where to turn and I think that needs to change so I, I'm paying I'm paying a lot of attention to that it, it is interesting because um you know we've watched the the industry go to a platformization of things. It went from a very record label oriented industry, the recording industry, to a very platform oriented one with companies like Spotify and, and and Apple Music, but then also on social media with platforms like Facebook and and um, Instagram, and of course on the video side, YouTube, and then on the live streaming side, Twitch, you know. Um, 
to where now it is actually fractured. I mean, you look at all the streaming services, you can't really just be on one streaming service on that side of things. So the question is, do, do, do artists and managers want their bands to be on a platform or do they want a bespoke, you know, you kind of have yeah. to be a certain size to be, you have to big en- have, a, have a big enough fan base and enough demand to, to own your own fan base platform that people come to, right? Yeah. Um, it's such a dilemma of, of, uh, of, of having a one go-to place versus going to lots of, like, does the fan go to lot, lots of places or, or you know, it's, it's, it's a tricky dilemma totally. every time. Totally. Yeah, I mean, I, I haven't seen, I can't tell you how many times I let the Kill Hannah domain lapse because I was like, mm. what's the point? <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh God, $10 every three months. Like, I don't know if this is worth it, honestly. But yeah, if, it, if you're that, that top tier talent, for sure. I mean, I think you, you build the world and then your fans can come to that world. But there, you'll never be as adept as as the specialists you know you'll you'll never you just don't have the capacity to crush on all fronts at the same time so i think i mean the the goldilocks sort of overlap is is in all right i think i i'm okay to send my fans to a few places but every one of them is going to be airtight baller and every single one of them i'm going to be um almost like I'll be prioritized over there and I'll be, I'll be well taken care of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then with the live streaming or, or the virtual tickets you mentioned, um, that's another one where um, it would be very tricky to see a singular, a singular place uh, just because I think through the live music side of the business, people kind of, they kind of did not love the idea of a handful of companies kind of controlling <laughs> what the economics of tickets are right <laughs> yeah. um yeah i have a bunch i mean i have a hunch where i mean you, you well, know far better than i but i have a i have a hunch for what that's gonna what's gonna happen kind of soon on that front and i think it will be yeah i think it'll be a good solution in the interim but then it's gonna be yeah there'll be wait are you gonna say more wait i want to know your hunch <laughs> well i mean my hunch is that a very familiar big name will just come out and like you know throw down, you know, just, just come into the room, own it, um, and kind of take over and then possibly, you know, to your point, like probably get in some antitrust uh, <laughs> problems. And then, uh, and then, yes, yeah, so there'll be like a phase one, phase two and phase three. That's, that's my hunch, but. Wow. Well, it will be interesting to see if it's possible because I mean, I think the reason, that worked on the ticketing side had a lot to do with um, consolidation on the real estate front um, and some of the deal making on the promotion side of concerts. I don't know if that's going to happen on the live streaming side, if that's what you mean, Um, because there's so many platforms now and they're still, and and they offer different things. You know, there's kind of a variety of differentiators. Um, Of course, at some point we may find out that it's really only one small set of features that, that people want or that work financially. I think think it means more to, to the, the artist that it just be, um, reliable. Yeah. Reliable and turnkey. Yeah. 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 Are there any other specific music tech trends or companies you're excited about? Mm, You know, um, my dudes, I don't know if you've had, uh, Benjir Joel Madden from good Charlotte on, no, they came to the first Music Tectonics conference, but um, their company Veeps is yeah, that the one you yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. 
I love what they're doing. I mean, I think I think they're. I, I watched that grow from zero, and it was just so cool to see. You know, it's just paying really close attention to what their specific lean of artists are doing and what's important to them and those fans, and then just proving that concept and you know scaling up from there and just along the way like i obviously relate to them because we're all artists but they're also homies and and they just they've just been doing it right and it's it's just so cool to see for example like with sms texting you know like that they've got whatever i don't it's like a 99.8 percent open rate of the text that their artists send to their to their fans and that, you know, they can be super targeted when they're on the road. Like, let's, I, I just want to um, reach out to and, you know, arrange something super VIP for our fans in Dallas next week. And they kind of choose from the menu and, and make it to your point, like bespoke to, to what, you know, matters most to that artist. And, um, and yeah, it's just, it, it seems to be, it just leaves, it makes a lot of other, I don't know. It just makes a lot of other tools for artists like that feel feel kind of obsolete. So I love seeing that. I like seeing good guys win, and hmm. you know, um, definitely, definitely love what they're up to. Awesome. Well, thanks for taking this dive with us. Not only into to what Cameo is and 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 some of the cool stories out of that, but also playing the uh, music tectonics game of what other cool stuff should be watching out for. It's been fun to dig in with you. Do you have any last uh, shout outs before we wrap up, Matt? Mm, no. Besides your $25 no, I mean, cameos? I'm just really glad we got to talk again because that was <laughs> yeah. like, that was, that was such a funny nightmare scenario <laughs> because I'm, you know, we make it a point to like, all right, troubleshoot, get there ahead of time, run the tech. And literally I was just, I almost had to laugh because it felt like the universe, like your best efforts, you guys were as gracious and as cool and as, as can be. And literally it was like, I don't know what version of what OS I had that was just, you know, not getting along with what, <laughs> whatever, some tiny, I just know it was just some t crazy, like tiny, obscure little line of code that was making it hard. But I, I was more just, you know, I get FOMO and I was like, I want to be in the fucking, you know, wanna, <laughs> yes, that's all, there. that's all I want. Yeah, that's all I want is FOMO. <laughs> for someone who has FOMO is like the worst torture to be like, okay, hang out outside of this party, you know, and we'll talk about you, but you can hear it, but you can't get in. I'm like, oh, <laughs> so for, yeah, I was, I was really happy to have a chance to just like chat with you now one-on-one. And I feel like, um, obviously it was, uh, a good good idea and definitely stoked to chat again yeah cool man matt thanks so much for being on here we'll we'll get you going at another music tectonics event um obviously we do the conference every year but we do a lot of other online stuff and i'm sure the the listening the podcast listening committee would be glad to meet up with you at one of our online meetups uh so thanks again man uh stay safe out there and appreciate you being on the podcast absolutely man thanks so much and thank you for listening to the Music Tectonics podcast. You know, it's funny that um, Matt just mentioned FOMO because if you did miss the Music Tectonics conference, um, we are putting the videos in the Music Tectonics app. Um, and as an incentive for you to join in the Music Tectonics conference in 2021, uh, if you sign up to get access to the videos, you actually get a voucher for admission to the 2021 conference. And, and the reason it's kind of funny is because the URL to get there is pages.musictectonics.com. 
slash no FOMO. Because, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, FOMO is what it's all about. Uh, and and uh, the only reason to check out the videos um, is because you missed a lot of really amazing stuff. Pages.musictectonics.com slash no FOMO. You can also just join the Music Tectonics app. It's a community app for music innovators. It's in the iOS app store. It's in Google Play. Um, and, uh, of course, you can sign up for our newsletter at musictectonics.com. Thanks for listening. More episodes coming soon. You're listening to Music Tectonics.